Wednesday, March 9th, 1 p.m., top of the hour on the East Coast. I'm Guy Adami. I'm always joined by Dan Nathan for Market Call, brought to you today, Wednesday, by Open Exchange. Because, Dan, you know they manage the virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Well, there's this old song, What a Difference a Day Makes. What a Difference a Day Makes, Dan, because now everything's looking rosy in the market. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, no, yesterday's price action was pretty amazing. And you and I were talking about it at the same time at one o'clock. We were having kind of a rip-roaring rally, but we weren't seeing this sort of, I don't know, oomph that you would like in certain groups that made us think that it might stick. The fact that it sold off and closed down on the day was pretty remarkable. Today's not going to be that day, guy. We're just not going to. Today's one of those days that you kind of get out of the way if you're bearish and you kind of let this thing run for a while, right? We'll see. I mean, look, there's a lot of day left. I happen to agree with you. This is one of those days that seems like it's just going to continue to accelerate into the close. But we've seen odder things before. And, you know, we'll talk about volatility index. We're still north of 30, which suggests pretty much anything can happen. But you're right. I mean, it feels like one of those days, classic relief rallies, and we've talked about it. You know, the counter moves, you know, the counter trend rallies that we see. And I don't like to use the term bear markets, but in markets that are trending lower are very powerful. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. Well, yeah, but this is violent, guy. When you think about it, and you and I have been kind of highlighting the weakness of the banks in, in over the last few days and what that was telling us about the broad market. I look at my 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 screens here and I see JP Morgan up 5%. I see Bank America up nearly 8%. I mean, that is a violent move. And, you know, maybe it's shorts who got caught off sides. Maybe it's those who think that they're cheap and that's where the value is in this sell-off. You know, I don't really know. But, you know, listen, I, I want to switch gears for a sec. We'll talk about the broad market. Market. We'll talk about some of the macro assets that are moving around a lot that we've been focused on for the last, I don't know, a few months now or so. But right now, I think it makes sense. We don't do this too often, but look at a couple stocks or a handful mm-hmm. of stocks, guy, that have been cut in half. Now, we've been talking about dozens and dozens of stocks that are down 50, 60, 70 percent, but their names like Zoom and Peloton and Chegg and, you know, a bunch of these ARC names, everything like that. Let's talk about a few massive names, a few names that we just haven't talked about a whole heck of a lot. One of them first being Facebook. This stock is down 50 percent in a handful of months. It was just literally in November, I think, when we were talking talking about Facebook trading $1 trillion in market cap, or it was a little earlier than that guy. It was like September or so. And now it is down 50% from those levels. We have a one-year chart here, man. And you look at the size of that earnings gap, the fact that it kept on going lower, the 200-day moving average up there at 325. But I guess more importantly, the multiple that this stock, which for years people had saying was expensive, but relative to its growth, it was kind of cheap. What's your take on a Facebook here? It's, it's incredible how, you know, we talked about this stock being compelling on valuation for years. And listen, when they got themselves in trouble a few years ago and some of their advertisers fleed over that course of a week, stock traded lower. But, you know, within a week or so, it became pretty clear that advertisers were going to come back. People weren't leaving the platform and the stock made its way to new all time highs, seemingly impervious to anything. A lot of this is their own doing without question. What does it tell me here? Well, it's probably as cheap as it's ever been. You can speak to that. But the headwinds they face are pretty tremendous. You have to ask yourself, you know, what's going to be the next catalyst for Facebook here? I do think just for a buying opportunity for a trade, it looks pretty interesting here. You mentioned it's been cut in half. That's accurate. I don't know the last time you've seen a move of this magnitude. But the real question is, do we fill that gap? Because at a certain point, every gap seems to be filled. 
And the fact that we're now probably three standard deviations or so away from the 200-day moving average leads me to believe that there's a bounce in Facebook coming. Yeah, so it's interesting that you mentioned valuation. And, you know, since it really kind of started to see its growth slow a little bit over the last few years, we've seen this thing trading, you know, kind of like 20 times earnings or something. This is like a real steady earner, right? So you were never able to put this name in the category that it was one of those names that on a gap basis was losing a lot of money. They were printing money here. Here's the problem, right? So every time that they have spent a whole heck of a lot of money, whether it be to kind of change the safety and security and all that stuff that happened after the 16 election and then some of the stuff that has happened lately about their spending on metaverse that sort of thing you're seeing earnings growth grind you know to a halt it's basically expected not to grow this year and then maybe reaccelerate to 15 percent next year with kind of mid-teens revenue growth now that revenue growth is probably the slowest revenue growth the company's ever had this year expected to be 12 percent 17 percent next year now obviously this is a very high margin company but trading 16 times this year and 14 times next that's crazy look at the chart since inception this is not a log chart here but if we draw the lines you see it's getting really close guy to that uptrend here which is why i think it makes sense very soon maybe that's 175 bucks i don't know where you'd want to take a shot on this thing yeah that's exactly right i mean does it get down to this trend line? yeah probably i mean that's a great trend line and as you said this is about an 11 year or so trend line this uptrend that we've been in for that period of time i don't know if it's going to hit it but with that said, if it does, I think that's where you enter. But I think you start your I think for a trade, you start dipping your toe in Facebook right now because the chances of getting down there maybe are 40, 50 percent. Chances of you missing it are probably that as well. So I think risk reward sets up well here. Same, I don't know, same probably can be said for Netflix, which different set of circumstances. I think the problem with Netflix here, Dan, is for the first time in a long time, well, first of all, they had a couple lousy quarters. And yep. for the first time in a long time, Reed Hastings started talking about competition in earnest. I think that scared a lot of people. Yeah, you know, when you look at this one-year chart, you see that massive gap to a new 52-week low here. It tried to fill in that gap a little bit, got rejected in around 450. But part of that was, I think it was Bill Ackman took a stake, and I, don't, I can't remember if it was meant to be an activist stake or he just saw really good value. So he's a big hedge fund guy. He's right sometimes. He's wrong sometimes. You know, there's no reason to kind of follow a guy like that. There might have also been some insider buying, if I remember correctly here. But this is a stock guy that I don't think we could have ever made the case that on evaluation basis, it made a lot of sense, even relative to its growth. And the growth is interesting because when you think about subscriber growth, it's been spotty. If you look over the years where the stock has had some massive ramps and then massive declines, it has to do with just kind of the cyclical nature of some of their growth as they've kind of extended overseas, but also the spending on that original content and then the view about just the competition that's coming online, Apple and you know Amazon and Hulu, I mean, and Disney, and the list goes on and on and on. But this one on a long-term basis if you go back to 2016 you see it's broken that uptrend and so that you know again do you want to be buying you know falling nice like that no you want to see as carter would say stocks kind of move their way into support a little bit but i don't see technical support down for a while and i don't see any real valuation support for a while especially when you talk about that slowing eps growth only about to be four percent this year 24 percent next year trading about 32 times this year 25 times next it seems like it's got a target on its back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And the other problem with Netflix that you just pointed out, you know, not only do they start mentioning competition and coming off a couple lousy quarters, but that coincided with everybody seemingly becoming concerned for the first time in a decade about valuations. Obviously, valuations didn't matter for the longest time. 
And, you know, those lousy quarters, that comment about competition coincided with the time that everybody started looking at valuation. I think you make a great point. We're through that trend line. So what does it mean? Well, the obvious support comes in the early 2020 low, which comes in around $300 or so. I guess that's pretty much 20% from where we are now. Not suggesting it gets there, but that's a logical place for it to stop. The flip side of the coin is maybe this is a false breakdown and you buy it again above a breakout of that trend line. Probably comes in around $400. But here at 360 quite frankly, I think you're sort of in no man's land. Yeah, well, this one, the next one we got to talk about, we haven't talked about it in a market call in a very long time. You and I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the product, but we're kind of addicted to it, and that's Twitter. And we use it a whole heck of a lot here. This stock has also been cut in half. It's down 20% on the year. It really looks like it's trying to put it in the bottom. You look at that one-year chart guy, you see it kind of banging around in the low 30s on a couple of times. It seems where it gets a little bit of support. You see that range that I highlighted from the breakdown level, just below 50, you know, back Back in late November, you see that huge reversal day. That was the day that Jack Norsey, the founder of the company CEO, resigned. And then the, you know, the stock, I mean, investors didn't like it, right? And it kept on going lower and lower here. Here's one where, you know, I feel like this guy, if you could take a snapshot of this stock at $34 right now, okay, and you could wake me up and I could own it here and you could wake me up in three years, okay, the stock I believe is going to be much higher. I think the platform is going to be that much value, more valuable. Maybe it got taken out at like $70 or something like that. My point is, it's like from here to there, from here to there, maybe to the end of this year, it might be kind of ugly. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things about buying some of these things when you think they're trying to bottom, them, where you think the valuation makes sense, but the market's still uncertain about it. There have been a couple of times over the last few years where Twitter seemingly got their act together and the stock started rewarding you for being long. And this long-term chart speaks to exactly that. I mean, you saw the move from, again, a lot of things from early 2020. I get it. But you see that move from $20 up to $80, pretty outstanding. And then, obviously, it's given almost the entire thing back. But you've seen moves of that magnitude to the upside before. I would suggest, you know, we're probably on a precipice, not to that magnitude, Dan, but something like that again. And I agree with you. I think if we're able to buy it here at 34, close your eyes, come back in three years, I think this is a stock that's probably north of 60 bucks. The problem is, where does it go first? Now, a lot of people would say the obvious level is to do a complete round turn to the 2020 low, which was probably in the high teens or so. I just don't think we're going to get there, Dan. Yeah, so here's the thing, right? And and you and I, I was calling you Nostradamus yesterday. That was fun. You basically listen, and I will, you know, we're giving you credit. We're not making fun of you. You said that you know crude was going to go to 120. You thought the 210 spread was going to go to 30 bips. It's at 25 bips. You thought the two year, you know, the 10 year was going to be two percent. You thought gold was going to be 2,000, and all of that made sense. You know, the thing that's hard about the stock market is it's it's a market of stocks, right? I know that you hate that expression here, and you know, if you're thinking that we're trying to bottom here on the news that's out today, and I think part of this rally got going a little bit, Guy, there was some comments, and I don't know, I saw the headline on Bloomberg, that the Ukraine, and I don't know who in, in the government said that they're open to neutrality, they're not going to give up any any land, that sort of thing. And so crude oil has gotten nailed. We're going to hit that in a little bit too. But again, that's just one headline. You know what I mean? And if the market was already having trouble, or a whole host of issues with the Fed, you know, trying to kind of battle inflation, that's not going away anytime soon. You've been all over that. All right. Well, we're still in the stock market. Let's look. Our friend at Wall Street Cynic, Diogenes, or Diogenes. What is it? How do you sound that? Di- he's like a Greek god. Yeah. Di- well, he is yeah, a Greek well, god if you've ever I, met him. I mean, he's a great I, professor as well. 
Oh, oh, you mean Jim Chanos. Okay, yeah, that's, that's who he is, right? Oh, yeah, I had, I had fun with that. All right, let's tweet this morning. Finn TV, I think he's speaking to you. Is he subtweeting you guy right here? Maybe. Is that what they we call that? Jim. Is that a subtweet? I, I yeah, always get that confused. I will please continue. Well, here's one thing. Before I read the tweet, and you guys can see the tweet up there, Jim is a phenomenal investor. People think he's like a short-only guy. He is not. You and I have known him for years. He's been on our podcast on many occasions here. And, you know, he gets the, you know, being long as, as well as he does getting short. He's got a really good knack for picking out short stories and, and financial fraud. That's not what he's saying here, right here. Then I think this is really interesting, though. FinTV, which has been humping unprofitable reopening company stocks, LYV, that's the Live Nation, Wind, Cruise Lines, et cetera, for two years now, can't understand why they are dropping faster than other stocks. People are going to concerts. He's basically saying that's what the pundits, the talking heads are saying. Yes, but LYV still doesn't make any money. All right, here's the deal. LYV used to make a lot of money. Then they didn't when there was no live events for two years. And now they're going to be making money again. And, you know, like at the end of the day, they lost $8 a share in 2020. And we know why. This will be a profitable company again. And you look at this chart here. We just overlaid that tweet to it. You could say that at new all-time highs and spending a lot of time for the last, I don't know, six to nine months, that it's in the stock. The reopening is in the stock here. That's a pretty powerful uptrend there. I really like this story because even at a time if people can't go on their fancy European vacation this summer, they can't do certain things because of maybe a new COVID strain or something like that, they will go to concerts and sports domestically, right? No question about it. You know, Jim uses the term humping unprofitable. I, you know, listen, I, first of all, there are a lot of unprofitable stocks today, you know, and over the course of the last 25 or 30 years have done extraordinarily yeah. well. I mean, we know that and we're not humping anything. What we try to do, and I think you would acknowledge this, we try to point out things that we think can go higher and things we think can go lower. And this was one that we pointed out a few months ago that given what was going on, we thought there's a really good chance that it would start to go higher, would look past Omicron and start to go higher in the back half of this year. And that's sort of what happened. I'm with you. Here's your uptrend. We're right at it now. I think you can still stay long against this trend line. With that said, I also understand what Jim Chanos is saying. It's just two different frames of mind, right? Two different ways of looking at things. I think he obviously looks at things over a much longer term, where it tend to be a little shorter. I will tell you, for the longest time, when DraftKings was on its way higher, we were all talking about the power that the stock DraftKings had. He was a non-believer the entire time. Proven to be correct, by the way, in retrospect, but along the way, that stock continued to go higher. So time frame means a lot here, Dan, and I think that's why we sort of try to drill down not only in the shorter term charts, but in the longer term charts as well. Yeah, so let's look at another one of these reopening trades. And Guy, you've been all over the Expedia trade. You've been a buyer on dips here. And that is also a very constructive chart. If you look at that thing, it spent the better part of 2021. And in the start of this year, above that level, you know, that where it broke out above in early 2021. So to me, pretty constructive. But what's really important here, Guy, is the fact that the company is about to print next year, or is expected to print a peak earnings number. They're expected to do 10 dollars and 59 cents a share that would be 41 percent year-over-year growth from a 750 number just so you know in 2019 they had a 615 a share in earnings i think that's pretty good here right and so obviously there's a huge 
whole, okay, expected to do nearly 12 billion in sales this year, nearly 14 billion in sales uh, next year, trading about 23 and a half times this year, 17 times next year. Give me the story on the E in your hope trade from last year. Guys. Yeah, and that, you know, that proved, listen, I understand why people hated these names, but again, if you go back and look at when the airline started to trade higher last spring, I mean, all these or traded lower last spring, that coincided with peak peak optimism in terms of the vaccinations. And they started to trade lower on the back of that, ironically enough. Well, they all bottomed out, theoretically, around October, November, when the news got its worst. And then they started trading higher. My point is, these names will look past it, understanding that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's exactly what we've seen here. Now, this last leg lower is clearly, in my opinion, on the situation between Russia and Ukraine. No question about it. I think people in this terms of the stock or shooting first, asking questions later. But you just pointed out on valuation, basically trading at a market multiple in terms of a forward PE with tremendous earnings growth. I think this is a name you want to buy. And it's right at these support levels that you drew, Dan. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, again, you know, we don't know when the market's going to bottom. I think you and I both think we're going to see lower lows here. And one of the reasons we're trying to highlight some of these names is we were, you know, like either a Facebook, which we do think is a high quality name that's in a transition trading very cheap. And it's telling you that a lot of investors don't think it's worth owning right here. But at lower levels, if nothing fundamental changes, it's just a broad market move. I think that's a name you want to own. The same thing with Netflix, same thing with Expedia, same thing with Live Nation. So we're trying to be constructive here we're not saying to go out on a huge green day like this and buy the hell out of some of these stocks here but you know good segue here though to jets guy that is the etf that tracks the airline industry i just got done recording for fidelity i do a weekly in the money that's going to drop after the close today you can check that out at, at fidelity or at my twitter feed at risk reversal it usually posts around five o'clock at a bullish trade idea using options in the jet blue and i like jet blue guy over some of these kind of international the long haul carriers like a you all a delta american because they're just not exposed to a lot of routes that might really have a hard time reopening we know that there's been fits and starts with with the, the Omicron and Delta before that. And business travel is the other one. But here's one thing that Americans will do this spring and summer. They will travel domestically and JetBlue has that exposure. Listen, real quick, just to look at this chart quickly, you'll see the last peak early 2021, the spring of 21, as I just pointed out a few minutes ago, that was the peak in terms of jets. It also happened to be the most optimistic we had been in quite some time in terms of the vaccinations and the end of the, that sort of the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the, in terms of the virus. It was odd that that's when jets topped out. We have the complete opposite setup right now. Now, everybody's pessimistic. I think we're going to bottom out here. So I'm with you. I think it's a great trade. I think jets, if you're looking just for a broader trade, this ETF is really interesting. But we now we got to look at the broader market, Dan, because that's, you know, we're not trying to bury the lead here. But on a day like today, it's amazing. Again, what a difference a day makes. Well, here we are. Same downtrend. I mean, nothing's really changed. We looked at this yesterday. We'll look at it again today. We're still in this downtrend channel. We look like we might want to test the upper end of it. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think we're going to sort of stall out and we'll see. I think the lower end of this channel is absolutely in play. I'll stand by that. You know, you can't, you can't blow hot and cold in terms of market being up and down. None of us do that. So on a day like today, I just think it's an opportunity to sort of get out of things you might have been fortunate enough to buy yesterday. 
Yeah, so if I look at the spy chart here and I'm short this thing, I'm looking at that high from just a week ago that was right around 440, which is 4400 the SPX. It's just below that 200-day moving average at about 40, what, 445, 60 or something like that. That's probably where I'm going to cover, you know, because at that point, mm-hmm. you know, all bets are off because you're going to get through that 200 day and then the next stop is going to be 4,600, you know, and listen, you know, one of the things that I don't like to do, I don't like to press really bad sentiment in markets when I'm bearish, okay? Because sooner or later, you have to know that you're going to have these sorts of kind of reflex moves or so. But that's also one of the reasons why you and I keep a very close eye on the charts, because that's how people set their stops, right? Those are the strikes that a lot of option traders who are hedging books and stuff like that are using. So to me, that's where I'd be a little skeptical. But if we rally one more day and then reverse on a bad headline, I think you are right, Guy. I think we are going to be testing 400 in the not-so-distant future and maybe that 37.50. So here's one thing, guy. You know, we're not even going to look at the NASDAQ. We looked at a lot of NASDAQ charts. We know that the NASDAQ the other day closed in bear market territory, down 20% from its November highs here. But you mentioned something on Fast Money, on CNBC's Fast Money that was on with you last night. And you said, hey, listen, it's not all doom and gloom out there. You said the Russell 2000, small caps, the IWM, closed up on the day yesterday, marginally, but it closed up a little bit. And we know there was a lot of intraday volatility. Look at this IWM chart. You and I were talking about this a lot last year. Year because we thought its lack of ability to kind of get going as the S&P was just making new highs, it seemed like every month, this thing was disappointing. Give me a sense of what your take is on small caps here, because this chart sets up pretty interestingly. It does, but we're still in obviously a very sideways action. I mean, this goes back, you can look at the chart and you can see how far it goes back. It's literally a year and a half. And here we are effectively having gone nowhere over that period of time. What I will say is the 200 day is sloping lower. That's not entirely bullish i think it sort of lends itself to lower lows and i think that's what's going to happen but in the short term you could see sort of these counter trend rallies i think that's sort of what we saw yesterday which is why i pointed out and we're seeing it today my sense is you get to that horizontal red line which probably comes in around 204 ish or thereabout i think you sell it again dan and look for a take out of the 180 level that we haven't seen in quite some time all right, so we got to talk about the things that were causing a lot of the downward volatility in stocks. That was obviously crude and other commodities. It was obviously the surging dollar, and it was gold was kind of one of the things that people were reaching for. They're all down today. Gold is this, or excuse me, crude is the story. And you were saying this, just like I said, you thought you'd see crude go straight to 100 and then maybe 120, 130 or something, which it did. You also said on the show the other night, you probably said it here on Market Call, that you could also see crude just have a massive reversal, see it down 10, 20, 25% or something like that. So we're getting that here. I threw up Ian Bremmer's tweet from just a bit ago before we came on here. And it was talking about, and we were talking about it yesterday in the Market Call, but the Biden administration banning Russian oil and natural gas. And look at this poll from the Wall Street Journal. I mean, how many things in America have been this overwhelmingly agreed upon on a bipartisan nation or, you know, in a bipartisan manner? And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, if we're all in on this and we could continue, no matter what happens in a de-escalation, America and Europe should get off of Russian oil and natural gas so we can, shouldn't be at their whims anymore. Are we likely to see persistently high oil in the meantime? Well, I mean, I don't want to get completely wonky, but this is going to be somewhat counterintuitive. But actually taking that, putting these sanctions in place longer term is probably bullish for the price of oil. But that's not for this show. I think one of the main reasons it sold off today 
is because of the headlines that you cited earlier on market call. I think that's it. So we'll see what happens. The point about people being unified in this, obviously, it makes a lot of sense. I think if people were to think about it and drill down, it doesn't make as much sense as you would think in terms of economics. But again, that's not for this show. What I will say, though, to your point, you have this huge move to the upside. Now, the same thing. These counter trend sell offs are going to be fierce. And we're in the midst of one now. And quite frankly, if we see more headlines like you cited earlier, chances are we can get back to $85, $90 and still be in an uptrend. So just yeah. beware how violent things are going to be. And it's obviously it's manifesting itself in crude oil over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah that 50-day moving average, I know a lot of traders are keeping an eye on down there like near 96 or so, or actually, excuse me, 90, 90 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that was the level where it kind of consolidated before it took out. We haven't talked a lot about the dollar. The dollar had been surging. I know that that was a big function of the euro just getting cream. We know that Dixie, the US dollar index, 50% or so of that is the euro. And, and I guess the concern for a surging dollar is that U.S. multinationals, which many of which have actually cited that they're going to stop either shipping to Russia and, you know, we saw McDonald's say they're going to shut down, what, 850 stores in Russia. I guess they're, I guess the, the highest store by revenue is actually in Moscow for McDonald's globally. And they, I think they said this morning, guy, it would be like $50 million a month of losses there. You know, so you have a surging dollar, you have certain multinationals who aren't going to be selling in areas where they get, you know, real revenues. I think my, McDonald's gets like 9% of the revenues. What's your take on that right here? Because, you know, the dollar coming in would probably be a good thing for corporate earnings right now. And that's the thing that we're going to quickly move to when we get to the end of this quarter, because we know that we're going to get Q1 earnings in mid to late April here. And I got to think the visibility is going to be horrible for most companies right now. I would agree with that. But to your point about the dollar specifically, obviously, we saw the rise in the dollar flight to quality, weaker euro for reasons we've cited a number of different times. And now you're seeing a little bit of a sell-off. I mean, this sell-off in the dollar is sort of a risk-on effect. Obviously, people now going back into equities, getting out of the safe haven trade that's been the U.S. dollar. I don't think it's over, quite frankly. You know, I think there's probably another like higher in the dollar, given the backdrop of everything that's going on. And if you look, you still have upward trending both 50-day and 200-day moving average. So I think this sell-off is going to be short-lived. What I will say, though, you're correct to point out, a stronger dollar is not going to be particularly bullish. It'll create headwinds for all these multinationals. And that's something you have to take into account as we get into our next earnings season. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about all the things that weigh on corporate profits, and we really haven't spent any time on inflation, but obviously the whole crude oil story is about inflation. But when companies have higher input costs, they have to make a decision. Do they try to pass it through to their consumer, right? Or do they eat it and it eats into their profits? And, you know, you and I were talking about it last night when we were reviewing the kind of Apple, you know, event where they introduced a new low-end phone. And one of the analysts that came on CNBC's Fast Money last night said, well, that's a good thing because they're raising prices prices on their low-end phone. And I'm like, man, if they're raising prices on their low-end phone, which is literally a phone model that's four years old with just a better processor, it's kind of telling you, right, that they're worried about their profit margins as it is. So I think that's something that'll be really interesting to track. All right, guy, quickly on gold. That was one that you thought was going to make a new high. It did. It got to 2000. And I'm just going to kind of jump the gun here a little bit. I think your guess would be that parabolic move checks back to what, 19 and a quarter or so. And that's your entry point? Yeah, I think so. And look, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I think I'm pretty well documented in terms of my view, but that's exactly right. You know, you had that, obviously, I don't want to call it a blow off top, but you obviously had that huge parabolic move. I think actually the most bullish thing that could happen in gold is it some of the airs out of the sales comes back to that 1925, 1950 level, and we take the next leg higher. And you look at these moving averages, 
both now sloping higher for the first time in a while. But the one that's really most interesting today, Dan, is Bitcoin. And this is what you've talked about. I actually thought we were going to go back down to that $31,000, $32,000 level. But with the news out today, we're right back into the low 40s. Yeah, but that was the thing that's crazy. I think a lot of people, when it came out that Biden was going to sign an executive order on crypto, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be like this big crackdown. And I think some of the headlines were like fairly constructive. It's really kind of like figuring out how it works with our economic system. I mean, listen, all good. I mean, just on a technical basis, though, we're looking at that kind of, you know, you know, the breakdown level that was 45,000. Here we are at 42. You see where the 200 day moving average is in a way. So let's see if we can build on that. You know, it's up 10% in a very short period of time, but those have kind of given up over the last couple of months or so. So, you know, you and I track Bitcoin because we think it's a really good barometer for kind of risk, like out the curve a little bit here. So let's see if that thing can get going. We said 30 minutes on the clock, Dan. I want to be true to that. So as they say, slide it, Earl. I hope you enjoyed today's market call. A lot going on. And let me tell you something, folks. Today is not over. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, Singular Today, Open Exchange, for always helping us put on the best show possible. Check us out tomorrow, 1 p.m. We'll be back with EY from SoFi. I'll see you later, Dan. See you, bud.